This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Am I ready? All the time. Welcome to the Full Blast Podcast on the Makery Network. I'm Jeff Fader. And before I get into it with me, because I'm alone today and I'm not supposed to be here, I want to talk about a couple of my sponsors. Let's talk about Axe Wax. Axe Wax is a great product for sealing your stuff. You make knives, hammers, axes, your wood, your boots, your bags, your leather, whatever. Use Axe Wax. And if you use promo code NIGHTFULLBLAST10, sorry, at axewax.us, you're gonna get 10% off your order. So seal your stuff upright. Don't put any petroleum products on there. Give your customer something that they can feel good about. Go to axewax.us, put in promo code FULLBLAST10 for 10% off. Or you can also go to UK Knife Supplies. And put in promo code FULLBLAST10. I'm sure Toby will honor that too. Thank you, Axe Wax. You guys rule. And I just want to welcome and thank AK Interactive for being back on the podcast. Andreas Kalani and I had a conversation a couple days ago, and it was awesome. AK Interactive is Andreas Kalani, a.k.a. the Golden Kalani. And what he does is he will build your website. We had a great conversation. He was sponsoring the podcast for a while, and then he's back. He's back. And we had a great conversation. I'm going to tell you what that conversation was. We both had this epiphany. And the epiphany was that a lot of you makers, whatever you're doing, you're trying to build this company. You're trying to ch- you're find, you found something that you're good at. You have the tools, you have the technique, but you don't have the help you need in order to bring that money in. You know what I'm saying? And we started to talk about the fact that your website is almost like another employee. Let's just say you have your product. Let's just say you know what you're doing. And you put it on your Instagram. You say, oh, look, look what I make. And somebody sends you a DM, and they write, I love that. And then you write back, thanks. And they write write back, I would love you to make me one. And then you write back, thanks. And then there's back and forth and sixth and seven and eight. And then you lose the guy for, it's it's ridiculous. And then he'll he'll, he'll say, hey, I thought you were going to make me something. And you say, I don't know where you are. I don't know who you are. And he says, okay, well, I want, to make the, I want you to make me this table. I want to make it out of walnut. You make walnut? Do you have walnut? Ah, let me go back to the shop. And you do the measuring, and then you bring up the thing. It's like, ah, you know, it's, it's too much work. What you're doing is too much work. What you need is a website that is going to allow you to answer all the questions that your customers have. It's a place where they can send emails and maybe just buy it now. There's no more conversations. It's like having a, a it's like having a, a helper. It's like having another employee. If you have a website, 
you are going to be able to add in all sorts of things. You add in all the information, the weight of the thing, and the size, and the shape, and the colors, and the options. And then there's no more of this bullshit DMs because the DMs are bullshit. You can't get involved with the DMs. And then these people leave, and then you've wasted all this time, and then it's email after email, or DM after DM, and it's bullshit. Make what you make, put it up on your website, and you do a little buy it now with the shipping and the taxes and all the information squared away. And all of a sudden you wake up one morning and there's this notification that something's been bought and you didn't have to do anything. All you have to do is put it in the mail. Andreas Kalani is going to do that for you. AK Interactive is going to fix it for you. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to akinteractive.com. You're going to message him. And what he's going to do is going to call you. And then he's going to tailor a website to suit you. And it's going to be great because he's got 20 years of experience in logo and identity design, business cards design, marketing collateral design, web design, e-commerce storefront. He uses common platforms such as Shopify, Wix, and WordPress. And what's going to happen is he's going to figure out exactly, exactly what you need. And you're going to be able to grow. He's going to say to you, listen, we don't have to go like crazy, crazy, crazy. We can build you a website and then you can grow from it from here. So stop it. You're, you're making a mistake. Some of you are really making mistakes and you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time in the DMs. You can't do business in the DMs. It's bullshit. Get yourself a website. Do a good job. He's going to do a good job. Andreas Kalani's back. He's in with me for the long haul and I'm pushing this motherfucker because he's the best. So go to akinteractive.com. Send him a message. Say, I heard it from Full Blast, the Full Blast podcast. And then what he's going to do, he's going to contact you and he's going to build this thing up. And then you're going to be squared away. And then there's no DMs, no more DMs. And you're going to be able to do business. You're going to be able to make your stuff without having to futz around. Don't futz around. You have enough to do without the futzing. So go get yourself some akinteractive.com. Get yourself a new website. Stop playing. All right. Welcome back, Andreas Kalani. You're the man. I'm with you 100%. Okay. So, I don't have a guest this week. I was supposed to have a couple guests this week. And I'm not supposed to be here right now. It's Thursday at around 3.20 in the afternoon. This podcast file should have been with Craig Lockwood over at the Makery Network by now. Usually would have been there by Monday. But now... He's in France. I'm in New York. We're talking six, seven hour difference. He's probably three o'clock. Could be closer to nine, ten o'clock right now. He might be going to bed. And it's obviously the afternoon here. So I'm supposed to have this to him now. And here's how I feel. And I'm sure a lot of you feel the same way. Have you ever done a project with a deadline and you think it's going well and you're going to make the deadline and then something happens? You, something happens. You broke it. You got to start over. You forgot. The, 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 the handle scales were right. You mismeasured the table. You mismeasured the color. You got the wrong color sample. You built the whole thing and it's all fucked up. And you have that feeling in your stomach, that feeling in your guts that this isn't right. And now I have to redo the whole thing. It's a feeling 
that I remember and I have often. Things, ha things happen. Things happen. It's this feeling that it hits the back of your stomach and all of a sudden you realize, oh no, I have to redo everything. I didn't, I didn't budget for this to happen. I've done this before. I've done this before. Why is this happening to me? Maybe I don't have to do it. Maybe you can figure something out. Maybe I can fix this one problem. Maybe I don't have to start over again. And then in your guts, you know. There's no choice. Of course you have to start over. So that's where I'm at right now. You're, you are completely in my, you're riding with me at the edge of the deadline. You're riding with me. I'm doing it over again. And that's just the way it's going to be for the next, who knows how long this motherfucker is going to be. So it feels bad because I shouldn't be here. I should be preparing for Ashley Childs next week. I should be preparing to find out what's going on with Elk and Hammer. I should be preparing, but I'm not. <sighs> but I'm here because it's important. All right. So here's, here's where we're going to start. Here's where we're going to start. I'm going to tell you why I'm here in a feeling of a mood of feeling like I have to redo this all over again and it feels terrible and it hurts and it feels, it makes my stomach hurt and I shouldn't have been here. I shouldn't have been here. I should be doing something else. It should be onward. But it kind of starts, I feels, it feels bad. It feels like I should be doing something else right now, but it's fine. I'm with you. So yesterday, I was watching, I was, I think I was looking on Twitter. I, I use Twitter as like my, kind of my news resource. I've been on Twitter since kind of the beginning. It's kind of the beginning. I learned about Twitter from, I don't know if you guys remember, but there was, there was a, a terrorist attack in Mumbai, in India. And people were using Twitter to communicate with each other. And I was like, what is this Twitter? And I remember getting involved with Twitter in the beginning. And then all of a sudden, you can just kind of follow different news people. You can follow different sports people. You can follow. And all of a sudden, it became an aggregate of information. And that depending on who you follow, some people you like, some people you don't like. But you would get the information every single time. You could get the news faster than a website. You know, websites like a news website or something like that. You can't, especially, you know, you're, let's be honest, you're at work and you're having a shit or you're taking a leak, and you just need, maybe you need a little time by yourself. I'm not saying for a long time. I'm saying for five minutes, ten minutes. And you're in the bathroom, and you're like, what's going on in the world? If you go to a news website, maybe they did, they're not as fast at, at adding the stories up. Twitter, Twitter changed that. All of a sudden, depending on who you're, you're following and you're at, you're the aggregation of all the information you have, you're just getting the information super fast. And what happened was I used to look at it. I used to follow comedians and I used to follow sports people and I used to follow, I used to follow everybody, news people. And I noticed, and I noticed today, uh, yesterday, that there was an accident in our town. And it was one of those accidents that you pray for. I'm not a big prayer guy, but a train had hit a car in our town. And as soon as you see that headline, a train, you know, hits a car in the in our town, maybe like seven blocks from my house. 
you obviously get nervous. So I looked into it, and it turns out somebody had put their car close enough to the tracks that the, the top of the car, the hood of the car got hit by the train, and it looked bad. Luckily, nobody was hurt. Luckily, nobody was hurt. And what I noticed was, was number one, the car was fucking destroyed. The front of the car was totally destroyed. And the people inside apparently were fine. It was right in the town. It was, I knew, you know, when you see the pictures, blah, 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 you know where it is. Thank God no one's hurt. And then, you know, I sent my message to my wife. You better not drive down the street because it's going to be crazy with traffic and blah, blah, blah. They, they moved the car. Or they didn't. I don't know. I, they didn't take pictures of the moving, you know, the news didn't take pictures of the moving the car. They just took pictures of the wreckage. And nobody, like I said, once again, nobody was hurt. So about a couple hours later, there was, I follow also some like law enforcement in my town, some former law enforcement in my town. And the former, this former law enforcement was, you liked on Twitter, this politician who said, politician or municipal person or whatever said it's primary season prepare yourself for candidates blaming the infrastructure for this accident down by the train station there's a very there's a most likely a very good chance this was operator error and he liked it so if he likes it i see it right and that's also one of the other reasons why on Twitter I really don't do a lot of interacting because if I like things or I retweet, tweet, retweet them, then other people see them. And for some reason in this town, the Board of Education started following me. The superintendent of school started following me. Like teachers that and, you know, peop, officials at my kid's school started following me. So I realized that I better keep my shit squared away and, you know, be prepared to not, you know, like a whatever balls, you know, whatever. I mean, I, you know, you think I try to think about an example of what I shouldn't be liking and balls comes to mind. So congratulations. Welcome to the full blast podcast. Yeah. So I can't be like, I can't like most things. I like baseball stuff. I don't like any political stuff. I don't like, I just look and watch. And what happens is is you get this aggregation. So I'm looking at this thing, and, and, and all of a sudden, I'm kind of reading into it, and, and we're in primary season now, and there are people taking, you know, political people taking these cues, these social cues that, are, that is going to help them in regards to, um, you know, voters, finding, finding, finding something that they can kind of... And it's very clear that there's going to be a lot of people who are going to say, well, you know, this is what should have happened. The, the, the train station should have had, there should have been better prevention. So this person, I mean, from what it sounds like, this wasn't, didn't seem as though it was a suicide. Uh, it seems as though, I'm just making that assessment. I think that if you're partially in the way and you kind of want to be, if you really want to make sure that you're in the way, you make sure that you're in the way. You might hear some things, you might hear some rumblings and stuff like that. I have doors open. I'm podcasting in a different place. You might hear some stuff. So back to the story is the train hits the car, the front of the car, they're blah, blah, blah. Politicians are starting to say, you know, we need to make sure that this doesn't happen. It's a train station's fault and municipalities and infrastructure. And then law enforcement saying this could be vehicle, this could be operator error. 
let's let's just let's just take the and it was interesting because I've been driving down to the train station for years, dropping people off the train, getting onto the train, going down there and all that. So what I noticed was when the train comes, two or three minutes before the train comes, the lights go on. They start bing, 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 bing. And then the gates close. And then three weeks, in three hours late, three hours, three weeks and three hours. I, see, I'm... I shouldn't be paying attention to you guys. I'm talking to the people on Instagram Live. I'm filming this for the, for, because I feel guilty and I'm trying to give you people something. There you go. There's the motorcycles. So three minutes later, the, the, the gates come down. Three minutes later, the train comes past. If you were to try to get through the trains, it would take an awful lot of energy to go around the gates or to try to hustle underneath it. It's just, it, there's too much, it's too difficult to get your car in front of the train in Pisco. It's too hard. So it, it may, and then as soon as I, you know, I read that I saw some, I saw some posts from some political, new, new politicians were saying, you know, you know, the infrastructure, infrastructure. This was a completely, this was completely operator error. Whether or not he, this person meant to be there or not, it doesn't matter. There's just no reason for it. And what it really kind of made me think about was, you know, it, what it made me think about was who's to blame? Who's to take responsibility for this stuff? And I think often too much, often too much, oftentimes too much, we don't blame ourselves. We give it a reason. We give a reason. And it's, it becomes one of those things where you, where you have to look at these things and your story and just kind of think about it and see what, what it does to the point where when you're looking at stuff like you're looking at the news or you're reading the news or stuff like that, you kind of have to take everything with a grain of salt. There needs to be more critical thinking, and this is why I'm saying this. Recently, I've been hearing a lot of people say, I don't read the news anymore. You know who said that? Eric Clapton. Eric Clapton, Layla, Eric Clapton of Cream, Eric Clapton, who is one of the greatest guitarists of all time. Eric Clapton says, I don't listen to the news anymore. He's big anti-vax. He's a big anti-vax guy. And he's made this point that the vaccine stopped him from playing the guitar or something like some bullshit. I mean, you know, he's doing these interviews and he's just talking about, he's just talking about how the news... He said the quote that was crazy. I mean, I'm like, you know what? If you don't want to do the vaccine, I'm with you. He says, you know, when you stop reading the news, the coronavirus goes away. In so many words. And it was just like, it dawned on me because I've heard a lot of people, especially on podcasts, say, I don't read the news anymore. I don't listen to the news anymore. My life is better. And I'm one of those people. I'm one of those people who stopped uh, what is it called? It's called uh, rubbernecking. You're rubbernecking tragedy. You're ru- you know what rubbernecker is? Is if you see an accident, you're kind of like you're craning your neck, and that causes the ac- that causes more traffic because everyone's slowly watching. They're watching to see what the accident is. What happened? How did this happen? Rubbernecking tragedy. People don't want. I'm tired of rubbernecking tragedy. I'm completely, completely, completely against rubbernecking tragedy. We stop, listen, we stop listening to the news. We don't watch the news. We listen to the news because it just becomes the point where you, you very, it's very, it's hard to, 
what happens is, is you get sucked into a narrative that's, it's always nowadays, it's always about um, a point of view plus you have to say to yourself, what is the motivation behind, behind this line of news and what's the real story and critical thinking and stuff like that. And it got to the point where I also started thinking about this podcast. And I don't really talk about politics. And it's because a lot of it's because Frankly, I'm not interested in a fight. That's the other reason why I don't do stuff on Twitter. I don't do stuff on the internet. I'm not interested in fighting. And the reason why I'm not interested in fighting is because I suck at it. When I was a kid, I would catch my dad doing something, and then I would try to argue with him. And for some reason, he had this incredible ability to stop me completely. He stopped me. He would throw verbal punches and then dangle what basically was the reason why I shouldn't keep going with this line of questioning. He basically hung in the air the reason why continuing this fight can only be hard on me. I'm not ready for the shit he's going to throw at me. He would just be brutal. He would be brutal with his arguments, and then he would really... It was not in my best interest to keep arguing, and then I became not a good put-down artist. I know in, co- in high school, you know, become a good put-down artist. I'm not a good put-down artist. I can do the first punch, and then afterwards, it's just too much. I just can't. I just, I just, I'm not good at it. So I don't really argue with people on the internet. I don't argue with people on stuff. And that's one of the reasons why I don't do the pot. The, I don't do the fighting. I have friends of mine who, who, who do a lot of fighting. But what I do not, did notice on this podcast is when I talk to a lot of makers, the one thing a lot of them say is this. I wasn't good at school or I didn't like school. And I'm not pointing any fingers. I'm just saying that a lot of makers find themselves being in a situation where school doesn't identify with them. School doesn't identify with them. They don't identify with school. Teachers didn't, teachers didn't capture them. Teachers didn't get them the way they needed to be. The teachers didn't inspire them to keep going. The parents didn't get them inspired to keep learning and blah, blah, blah. They didn't do well in school, and that's just the way it is. Fine. I didn't do well in school, and that's the way it is. But some of those same people missed very important parts of school that they are using today, which is critical thinking. If, you, if you're not good at school, if you weren't good at school, if you hated school, then you can't, you can't give me the constructive reasoning of your points in today's world. I, you, you can't. It's just not right. It's not fair. It would be basically like the guy goes to electrician school, he becomes an electrician, but he fails at it. He sucks at it. They throw him out. Would you hire him to be your electrician? Probably not. So the people who miss the critical thinking days, the, the critical thinking classes, the sociology classes, the whatchamacallit classes, I have, a hard time, I have a hard time listening to them in regards to the world. With that said, back to where we're at. Car, demolished. Train, fine. People, fine. Car, demolished. Whose fault is it? And, you know, we think about whose fault it is. This all comes down to what happened to me on Monday. Not just me, but my friends. So a number of months ago, this is the reason why I'm here right now on a Friday, dangling my toe over the deadline of when this audio is due. There will be no editing. Craig will not have to edit this. 
There will be not no tracks spliced together. The only thing that will be spliced together was the beginning. My my theme song from ba- from the Marvelous Liars. A couple of ads wherever Red Circle decides to shove their not the greatest spots for commercials, but Red Circle will do that. But other than that, you're riding with me right now. So a couple months ago, my friend, my good friend, Ben Snoor, sent me a message and he says, hey, I got this great, I was talking to, I get this great idea, you know, we were talking, I was talking to Honor Kaglar, dies in every film, you know him. And he said to me, we should do a podcast together and it would be funny because no one would understand us. This is, Ben's got this Texas accent. I don't know, it's called a Texas accent. He's got an accent from, he sounds like he's a cowboy from Texas. Honor has this, you know, English accent. And it would be funny if they were together. And I thought, hey, this is great. You'll do it on my podcast. This will be great. We'll do it here. Had them both on. We don't have to do any origins. We can just kind of start right in. So we kind of booked a date. Yorkshire. He's got a Yorkshire accent. Yorkshire accent. Thank you, Mark. If you're not, if you're, I just, for the, for the sake of this emergency episode, I'm on Instagram Live. So in the Instagram Live, people are watching. And Mark, Mark, Mark Peacock is here. Dear River Craftsman. Great episode. Definitely listen to that one. So where were we? So I, we booked it. So we booked it. I had, I usually book this show. How many, how many weeks in advance? Probably like three to four weeks, definitely. But I line people up in advance. I give dates, and then we kind of put it in stone a month in. And then what it does is it allows me to prepare the show. And I'm going to explain. There's going to be a question over here in regards to why, how I do what I do what this podcast. Though. So we bit the date. We're all squared away. And I decide, well, what are we going to do? We're going to fuck around. So I got all these crazy stories. If Depending on the time, I might read some. Loch Ness monster sighting could be whale penises and testicle-eating fish found in Europe for the first time and a company that sells wet jeans as fashion. That kind of stuff. It was fun. And a pile of other stuff. So I get the guys, and then we're all ready to go. I, 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 we did the episode with Mark. Mark Peacock was really fun. Then I did the episode with Nick uh, Rossi, which was great. It was a lot of work preparing myself. I really wanted that to be a good one. And then I thought, I, this, this podcast has been so, so cerebral, and I resent it to a certain degree, and it's my resentment is towards myself. Then I thought to myself, well, here's what you got to do. You have to have some fun. So you're going to have Ben on, and you're going to have Honor on, and we're going to tell dick jokes for the whole time. So I got all squared away. I had dick jokes. I had poop stories. I had, we had all sorts of stuff, and I was all fired up. And then I found out last week that Honor had a, a death in the family, a very close death in the family. He's posted about it on his Instagram. And it was very, very sad. It was very, very tragic. It was very upsetting, and I sent my condolences. And the first thing, I, I sent my condolences, and then I wrote to him, don't worry about the podcast. Well, you know, you, you have enough on your plate right now. We'll, we'll, we'll push it back. Uh, whatever you need from me, you know, you're great and you have a wonderful family. And I just want to make sure that, you know, that you're in a good place. This is some nonsense. This podcast is some nonsense. So don't worry about that. And he wrote me back immediately like, no, mate, I need to get back into life. I need to do a couple laughs. 
So I thought to myself, let's fucking laugh. I'm with you. I'll, I'll get you squared away. I'm going to make sure that this is like stem to stern laughs. So I found a pile of stories. And for the next couple of weeks, I'm kind of finding these crazy stories, you know, like weird animal stories and big, pe- it's usually like big penises, small penises, all this stuff. So, so we're all fired up. I have a pile of stories and I'm like, I'm thinking how I'm going to, how I'm going to start the conversation and how we're going to do it. And so then Monday comes around and I'm preparing myself and all of a sudden it's three o'clock Eastern Standard Time. So it's like 12 o'clock for, for, for Ben. And it's like, I guess like nine o'clock for honor and then at night and they're both on. And the way Squadcast works, this is how I normally interview people, Squadcast has two or three or four, in some cases, tracks. So people join, I send a link, and then they come into the room, and then when I hit record, it records all three tracks. It doesn't record the, the whole thing. So it'll record the local tracks from each computer. And then what can happen is, when, it, when, it's, when I press stop recording, they're all put together because they're synced together. So I download all their, they down, I, they don't have to, you don't have to download anything. It's great. So you get local audio and then it's all put together. It's downloaded into the Squadcast and then once it's in the Squadcast, I won't bore you anymore. But basically it's pretty great. The problems we've had in the past is sometimes if someone's Wi-Fi isn't good, the calls will break, the calls will, you know, somebody will drop out and then I have to stop record and then, you know, they come back in, we press record, and then Craig has to splice however many, you know, all of them together, and it's kind of a pain in the ass. So once in a while, it's a drag. But over time, Squadcast is getting better, and people's, and I've been preparing people for their, you know, make sure you got good Wi-Fi, make sure you're not using Bluetooth. Bluetooth is not good for this, because there's something, there's some sort of lag in between Bluetooth and, and fine, you understand, some, I'm, 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 I'm breaking down the fourth wall, but it's just like, who cares, honestly? So, here we are. Here we are. So it's Monday afternoon. Honor's in the house. Ben's in the house. Everything's working, and I'm nervous because I don't want to make sure that nothing happens. I want to make sure that, you know, I want to make sure, sure Honor's okay, and I want to make I want to make sure he's having a good time. And if he's like feeling weird, and you know, I want to make sure that everything's gonna be good. I put a lot of pressure on myself for this to be good. So we have a great time. Out of the shoot. Funny. And I'll tell you why Ben Snoor is a great guest. Ben understands. He's a great guest for me because he understands what I want. What I want is a lot of times I don't necessarily want answers. I like meandering. This podcast is about like one of the problems with a lot of podcasts, especially maker podcasts, and it doesn't have anything to do with the makers. It doesn't have anything to do with the maker podcast. There is a degree of lack of understanding in regards to what people want to hear and longevity. So what happens is I was on a number of podcasts as a guest and I found myself being asked the same questions and I would give the same answers. And then all of a sudden it's like, if you listen to all of them that I was on, it's like, I'm giving the same shit. So what, what I try to do is not just answer questions. I try to like engage the listener. I engage the listener by engaging my guest. We'll talk about that a little bit later. So what Ben does that I love is he asks questions too. So like, it's not just, he's not waiting for his turn to speak. He'll say, oh, that was really interesting. Why did, why, you know, tell me more about that. 
he'll do what I like, which is like trying to create a conversation. It's not just fucking tennis where it's ping pong, ping pong. And it's, it's the little things. So Ben, right out of the shoot, we, I start talking to Honor about his time in Thailand, training, and then, and then Ben snaps and he's like, what's the food like? And it was just like exactly what I wanted, like these questions, like you're thinking about what the person's saying, you're engaged, blah, 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 blah. And then it, every story, his stories from when he was in Afghanistan, it led into a story about him, you know, how they got rid of poop in the field. We'll have to get back to that when they get back here. There was stories that led into my stories. I bought a pile of stories, and I would, I would all of a sudden be like, "What?" In my mind, I'm thinking, "This is the perfect lead into." And then I would, it was, it was stem to stern, two hours of laughing, and flow, and funny, and great, and having a good time. Chemistry. The two of them have awesome chemistry. They have great chemistry. All three of us had great chemistry. It was really, 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 it was really, really good. So the chemistry in that episode was very, very good. And we had a great time. And now there was legitimate laughing. Ben, who's in the chat, he said it was organic. It was very organic. It wasn't forced. It moved perfectly. It was funny. It was interesting seeing three different people with three different accents. It was great. It would have been on my top five favorite episodes of the show. That's it. Great episode. So we end just under two hours. I press stop recording and I noticed, I noticed that the way Squadcast works is there's three tracks and then there'll be three bars and the three bars will show the rate of downloading the local, the local audio to Squadcast. And I'm seeing two bars. Oh, I forgot to mention, Squadcast just updated their website. So everything looked a little bit different. Everything was a little bit out of place. So the stuff that I normally see, I didn't see. And the font was a little smaller, and it just looked like they had done an update. I, when, I, when I pressed stop recording and it started downloading, it should have been downloading three tracks. I only saw two tracks. It was downloading my track. It was downloading Honor's track. And all of a sudden, I started to see there was no track for Ben. And my stomach sank because I thought, we just did two hours and we don't have Ben's track. Now, if you see everybody in the window, if you see everybody in the screen and you press record, you can't isolate who you record and who you don't record. So you see three, three people, you press record, you get all three tracks. I saw his Wi-Fi was good. I saw he was using a blue, to, you know, a blue, uh, a blue ball microphone or one of those snowball microphones. He had everything squared away. There's no reason why his track didn't download. I didn't, I didn't miss anything. It's never happened before in the past. In the, over a year of using Squadcast, actually, we've been using Squadcast with Knife Talk and this for almost two years. Never saw that before. Never saw it one track not being trade. Uh, what you call? So all of a sudden, my stomach sank. It was like you finish the project, and all of a sudden you you put your whatever. Let's just say any kind of project you're working on. Let's just say for the sake of the argument's sake, you see your knife. 
you finished handstanding your knife, you put on the scales, you glued the scales up, you finished, everything looks good. And then as you're looking, you see a fatal crack. You're finished. It's great. But you can't repair it. So I started sweating profusely and I noticed that Ben's track wasn't there. And I said, oh no, Ben's track wasn't there. And it was really like, it was devastating to, to the boys because number one, I mean, Honor had a lot going on in his life. He wanted his life to get back together. He, he had this death in the family and he wanted to laugh. And, and we laughed, we fucking laughed, we fucking did it. All sorts of stories and all this and nuts and we talked about fish nut i got the story right here testicle eating fish found in europe for the first time it was funny we're talking about this one loch ness monster sightings could be whale penises i got them right here it was funny we had stories of honor's friend tony who ate a lot of bananas we'll have to get back to that when when they come back all gone and i felt terrible and i apologized and i felt sick I felt sick for a couple of reasons. One is you can't really redo the whole show with the same stories and expect something like that to happen. You can't do it. You can't have, you can't have people, you can't read the same stories and expect the same reaction. It took a long time to find all these bullshit stories. That's just the way it is. Go look up odd news stories and the same ones come up. So it, was, it took a while to get them, and I thought, we can't just do the whole goddamn show again. And then, you know, Honor's got a funeral to go to. We, I got to get back to work. We have things to do. It just wasn't going to work. And I, and I thought, maybe I could find more stories, and it just wasn't going to work. So I thought, I sent a message to, to Craig, and I explained the situation. And I said, is there anything you can do? And he says, Squadcast should have a copy of the tracks on the server. I'll send him a message. And it was like this glimmer of hope. It was this total glimmer of hope. So then I'm a wreck for the rest of the night. I'm a total wreck. And then I'm thinking, well, if Squadcast has it, how long are they going to take to send him? Am I going to have to redo this episode? What am I going to do? And, and Craig's, the next morning, Craig says, I sent them a message. They think they can fix the problem. So I'm in complete relief. I'm in total relief. The episode's going to be saved. And I stupidly sent a message to Honor, and I stupidly sent a message to Ben saying, Craig thinks he can fix the episode. They, he thinks that, uh, Squadcast thinks that they can fix the problem. What a relief, because it was a good episode. It wasn't a mediocre episode. It was a great episode. It was heavy, 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 heavy on the dick jokes, heavy, heavy, heavy on whale penises, heavy, heavy, heavy on um, fighting monkeys, heavy, heavy, heavy on uh, feces, heavy, 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 uh, heavy, heavy, heavy on uh, companies that sell wet jeans to fashion. It was funny. We laughed. I literally laughed. I had tears rolling down my face. The guys were pumped. The guys were so pumped. And I was, and I have faith in Craig Lockwood. I have faith in Craig Lockwood. So what happened? Midday, the next day, I'm feeling good. And I, got a, I get a text from Craig. He doesn't really, he just says, I got bad news. I forwarded you the email. 
So I looked at the email and Squadcast had basically, they sent him a canned response, which was basically, this is clearly, and I thought it was my fault, but I thought it wasn't my fault. I thought that not having the track, I had no control over the tracks being, you press record and you get the tracks. I had no control over whether or not it was going to be, you know, two of us or three of us. It's supposed to be all of them. So they sent this email back saying, this is clearly our fault. This shouldn't have happened. This shouldn't have happened. And we're going to investigate what happened. In the meantime, we can't get you what you want. And I know this is, must be very frustrating for you. And I know it's a big inconvenience. We pay. We pay for Squadcast. Craig pays. I mean, part of the... I mean, Craig pays. I mean, I just... I, 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 uh, I brown bag Squadcast, to be honest with you. <clears throat> and they just said that we can't do anything. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you a month free of service. And we're really sorry. We're going to see it, make sure this doesn't happen again. Bye. So there you go. It wasn't really that. My opinion was it was a gut punch because then I had to tell Ben in honor again. And I realized I shouldn't have fucking told him in the first place. I shouldn't have said anything in the beginning. I should have given him hope because I dashed it twice. It was just like stupid on my part. So all of a sudden I have to reach out to them. In my opinion, here's my opinion. In my opinion, Squadcast is a small company. I'm sure there's not a ton of people there. They probably realized that it wasn't, it wasn't enough. It didn't justify the amount of work to get. They had Ben's track. They have it on their server. But to isolate it and send it to Craig wasn't the same value as give him a free month. Give him a free month. Just give him a free month and let him make him shut up do that they couldn't they did they did they just decided i'm not fucking doing that that sounds like a lot of work that sounds like a lot of work getting this track off of our server that's just too much work give them a month just give them a month so the the good thing is was it was great and it was funny and we had a good time at the time the bad part was is you got me now and you don't have the guys. So we did have a great time. The guys were really fun. We had a great time. They both had an awesome time. And here's the, here's the problem. Here's the problem. The problem is they're not here. Fine. We're going to get them back soon. And the good thing is, is we've already established the chemistry. So it will be much, much more easy to get a great episode. And we're going to do that as soon as possible. Because I can't do that again. That's why I'm here recording on a QuickTime player, audio recording in my shop. I got, I got, I have Instagram live going for the next, I don't know, couple minutes. We're going to answer some questions. We're going to ramble a little bit, but that's what happened. So Honor and Ben will be back, hopefully by in the next few weeks. Um, in the meantime, just, just for a little bit of back office shit, I sent him, I was like, who am I gonna Who am I gonna do this podcast with for this week? I could do it by myself, or maybe I could see what Nico's up to. I reached out to Nico Tavernisi, my old partner from um, the Downward Spiral. He and I are going to podcast an extra episode next week that will be used for my vacation episode. So we're gonna have. I was gonna do. Well, actually, what I was gonna do 
was I found, Nico told me that he has all the archives of all the old Downward Spiral episodes. So I was going to try to, so we could do a whole, cl- we could do a whole channel. I could run a year's worth of Downward Spiral. The problem is, is some of them are so bad, it's, it hurts. Some of them are, so, I just listened to a couple, some of them are so bad it hurts. I'm not gonna do that to anybody. But what I am gonna do is I'm going to use some of them for vacation days because don't we all need vacation days but in the meantime i got a vacation coming up in the meantime i'm going to be doing a uh i'm going it's funny enough i'm going to be doing a downward spiral with nico tavernisi probably next week we'll use it for my vacation and we're going to use the same stories that i had for ben and honor i'm just gonna i can't burn these these stories they're too funny and it's gonna be weird but I can't just throw them out. I got to use them for somehow. And it'll be interesting to see how irritated Nico gets. Like, what is with you? Penises, whale penises, what are you, whale, pe- uh, whale penises. It'll be fine. We'll be fine. I'll get him squared away. So that's where we're at. So we're, I explained what's happening. I did it in 45 minutes. Now, everybody, that deserves a golf clap. I was able to stretch that story out for 45 minutes. Thank you very much. Okay. So what I did was I thought I would ask the listeners on Instagram, we follow the Full Blast podcast on Instagram, to send in some questions for the show, and then I'd answer them. I was kind of hoping for questions in regards to this podcast, not knife questions. This isn't knife talk. This is, this is the Full Blast podcast where we don't really talk about knife making that much. It's just kind of hanging out. So if you're in the chat, and I'm not going to be doing this often, if you're in the chat and you have a question, feel free to submit it now. And then in the meantime, what I'm, the plan is I'm going to read a couple of these questions, answer a couple of questions, see where we're at on time, and then I'm going to hang up on the Instagram Live people and tell a horrendous story that happened to me in my fa- that I embarrassed and humiliated my family. And I don't regret and I don't regret it. I don't regret it. I'm gonna tell that at the end of this shit thing. So I reached out to everybody on Instagram, full blast podcast on Instagram, and asked them to ask me a question. And this first question comes from Wonky Workshop. And this is suitable, a suitable question. How long do you think a Joe Rogan with a Joe Rogan podcast with Honor Kagler and Ben Snor, how long would the episode be? It depends on his timing. I think that Joe Rogan, I think Joe Rogan, I have a very interesting take on Joe Rogan and podcasts in general. And the both of them would be extraordinarily good on the podcast. One of the things, I'll tell you why, they're both very good at getting involved in the conversation. He wants, he's doing, he's doing what I like, which is engaging in conversation. Joe Rogan likes, I don't listen to him as, as much anymore. I was on board with him for a long, long time. Um, the interesting thing about Joe Rogan is, I'll tell you the, the derivation behind his podcast and where it came from. I mean, you, if you're a Joe Rogan fan, you probably know this. So back in the day, talk radio was, Morning Drive was really something special. Growing up for me, I was listening to, when, I, when my parents got divorced and I could actually listen to the radio, I was list, there was two stations I was listening to, when I was very young, I was listening to WPLJ and Z100. I'd listen to their morning shows, and I'd listen to Scott Shannon. I was a Z Morning Zoo guy. Z100, I'd listen to Scott Shannon. 
Howard Stern started in at K Rock. And I started, when I got older, I started, well, you know what? When I started, when he, when he was at WNBC, I listened to him with my dad. And then I listened to him when I was in high school. And he created an interesting vibe that was different from most interview shows. When he was, he was talking to his staff and he, was, he had these different bits. Part of him was yelling at his staff and then there was interviews. He would, when he would interview his guests, you almost felt like they were being interrogated in the beginning. And he was, he was really trying to not only elicit an answer, but he was also trying to maybe find something uh, salacious. He was trying to make them feel uncomfortable. People felt like they were in the hot seat and whatever. And it was like a very straight, a straight interview show to a certain degree, with the exception of the, the fucking around and all that. And then when I listened to, a friend of mine told me that there's this show in the afternoon called Opie and Anthony. And this was after college. I didn't listen to it. By the time they came on in the afternoons, I would already I was I was in somewhere else. I wasn't I wasn't listening to Opie and Anthony because I was doing something else at the time. It was hard for me to listen to the radio at the time. And then when I started to was when they were fired and then they came in the mornings. Howard went to satellite. They came down after replacing, if you can believe this or not, Howard Stern was replaced by David Lee Roth uh, at, at K Rock, which then turned into what was the name of it? They, they changed the whole station after he left, and they called it Free FM. Free FM? I think it was Free FM. And then David Lee Roth was terrible. He was terrible. He just, it, he just felt like he could talk, and people would listen, and it was unlistenable. Totally unlistenable. And then they brought Opie and Anthony back. And this is the first time I'd heard of them, and I listened, and what they did was they created this conversation. That was They had interviews, but then what they would do is they would invite some of their comedian friends in to hang out. And the show became much different because it wasn't like, so where are you from? And where did you start? And it wasn't an interview show where they were, I mean, they were doing sometimes where they were, you know, they would be, they would feed, you know, lines to some of their guests where they, you know, comedians, they would just, uh, they would answer back with a bit or whatever. But they had these comedians on, like people you've heard of, Bill Burr and Patrice, Patrice O'Neill and Kevin Hart and who else? They had, um, Chris Rock would come on and they would have really, really good, they really, really had great guests on. Yeah, I got some people checking in. Hey, Budden, Stephen was, he knows, David Lee Roth was a disaster. Uh, KJ Sawdust, remembering uh, David Lee Roth, he wouldn't sit down. He would only stand up during a show. David Lee Roth was a great guest. He was a terrible host. So Opie and Anthony created this whole environment where they were, um, they were, it was a hangout, and they were funny. And I just remember there were times where there were these great moments, and one of the people that would come on was Joe Rogan. And Joe Rogan came on, uh, one of the greatest bits of all time, you can look up on this on uh, YouTube, is Opie and Anthony had uh, the eggnog drinking challenge, and they would have these guys drink a shot of eggnog every minute for as long as it could go, and apparently there's this whole thing of like eggnog and milk after like a gallon, you're, you know, you throw up or whatever, and it was basically the first person to, to throw up, the last person would win, and Pat from Munaki, you, you gotta look up Baby Bird, on Inst- uh, look up Opie and Anthony and Baby Bird, if you want to see an outrageous moment. So Pat from Munaki and who was it? Who was it, Keith? It was, uh, who, who, who he threw up on, here's going to be, if you're a real ONA fan, you'll know, he threw on Pat Duffy. 
Pat Duffy was ended up becoming an intern. They took Pat Duffy, this kid who came from wherever, New Jersey or, or Pennsylvania. They stuck him on a bench with his head in a garbage can. And Pat from Munaki, who had had like a hundred shots of a hundred shots of 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 eggnog, just leaned over and opened his mouth, and then this there's this just block, this huge unbreak broke a stream, this monstrous stream of eggnog all over his face, and this was uh, this was a suggestion by. This was a suggestion by Joe Rogan. So Joe Rogan and Bill Burr were in, and Joe Rogan said, you should do the baby bird. And then he just like, I mean, it was like, it, it's definitely something to see on YouTube because it's just unre- unreasonably bad. And what I'll do is I'll link it. Yeah, KJ Sawdust just said it was a fire hose. I will link that video in the show notes to see the ONA baby, baby bird. Incredible moment. I was late to work. I just couldn't believe it. It was insane, totally insane. That's why radio was as great as it was. So all of a sudden, after a while, I think around that time, Joe Rogan had decided that he was going to start a podcast based on, you know, Opie and Anthony, there were two guys, I didn't get along, find out later in life, they really didn't get along. So Anthony had started his own podcast at his home, called it Live from the Compound. And, you know, I'm only saying this because there's so many weird, weird, like, veins that come out of this whole story. So Opie and Anthony had a show on XM and then Sirius XM and then and then then they would walk over to Free FM and do, you know, the the Free FM. Oh no, they would they would walk from Free FM over to the satellite and they'd finish their show on satellite. Anthony created a studio at his house. He called it Live from the Compound. It was much more like it was different than Opie and Anthony. It was just like fooling around. It was really quite it was actually pretty funny. He he was he was he's a really funny guy. Um, different po- politics. Uh, I think it became it, it was the two of them were so different. There was such a different dynamic in there, such a contrast. It really worked on the radio, but I guess you know it was just it was impossible for them to keep working. But it, it seemed as though it became very clear that Anthony was going to do another show, and this was like it was very clear that this was like the beginning stages of the end. Now I'm not saying that full blast podcast is my live from the compound. And then for some reason I'm leaving knife talk. I'm not leaving. I'm, there's no plans of leaving knife talk at all. My opinion is, is not only do I want to do a weekly show, if I want to get good, I can do more than one. And if I, if I'm good enough, like radio guys go three days a week, four days a week, five days a week, four hours a day. I can't do two shows, two hours, four hours a week. I can do that. So we're going to do, so that's, I just want to make sure that you're very clear. You're very clear. And there's some good questions coming in. Um, good questions. Uh, I see your question, Mark, uh, and I'm going to get to it in a sec. So, so Joe Rogan just decides, oh, I'm going to do a YouTube show. And I'm going to do, I'm going to have it my, you know, we're going to just hang out and my friends are going to hang out. We're going to make it just like Opie and Anthony. And it's going to be like live from the compound. So he created his show basically on the couch of his house. And then he would have guys like Joey Diaz on and Bert Kreischer and all those guys. And then it became something really, it, it, I mean, it, I mean, it is the number one podcast, the comedy podcast, and it's great. And there are great moments and it's, everyone was different and you felt like you were part of something and you could kind of zone out and, podcasts are different because you don't have to watch which is great um you can do other things you can just kind of listen as long as the you know the, your presenter is doing what he's supposed to be doing 
and then blah, blah, blah. So here's what happened with podcasting, so with Joe Rogan. So in regards to the last question from Honky Woodchuck, the Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan, as far as I'm concerned, he didn't ruin podcasts, but he gave podcast presenters the wrong idea of what you're supposed to do. He, he made it seem like all you have to do if you're on a podcast is turn the microphone on and hopefully something good will come out. He didn't tell you how much preparation he does. He didn't tell you uh, the fact that he has to have a producer. He's, Jamie finds him stories or he'll, he'll be able to kind of zing, zang, zoom. He doesn't just, he, there's just no way that he'll do these podcasts and not prepare. And his time on Opie and Anthony, his time on Howard Stern, he used to go on Howard Stern too. He saw and he was comfortable with what needed to be done. And he created something great. He spent time getting great, but he makes it seem as though he smokes a bowl, turns the mics on, and then magic happens. And this is the problem with most podcasters. And I'm going to get into that. I'm going to get into what a lot of podcasters are doing wrong. And I'm not, like I said, you don't have to listen to me. Just be, I'm bloviating right now. Do you know what a bloviator is? A bloviator is someone who's just spewing. I'm spewing out. I'm spewing out this opinion. And I'm not talking politics. I'm talking about what you motherfucking politics, most of you motherfuckers are doing wrong. So one of the things that separates this podcast out from other podcasts and separates this podcast out, I'm not Joe Rogan, nor do I want to be. I, love, I, he, I listened to him for a long time. He got me interested in MMA. He got me interested in, uh, I became a UFC fan for a while. He, I fucking, I got the Alpha Brain. I got the Alpha Brain when it first came out and I thought that it was really doing something. I really thought that it was making a difference. And I, what else did I get? I got the, got, I was all into the nootropics and then all of a sudden it's just like, gotta buy the Alpha Brain, I'm eating Alpha Brain. This is back when it first started. And I'm just like, wow, this is so fucking expensive and I really don't feel like anything's different. Wow. I don't feel like this is, I don't feel any, I don't feel like I'm like, and it was fine and I'm for it and I'm for whatever he does. I particularly, you know, other than that, it's just, it got to the point where I was like, it's enough. I, my time with Joe Rogan is over. It's fine. I'm with him. So when I try to do, what I tried to do with this podcast is I get very, very, I try to book everybody with a lot of time to spare because I really don't want this to be like other podcasts that I've been on where they'll say, tell us about yourself. If you're a podcaster and you ask somebody, your guest, tell us about yourself, what you're doing is you're giving them the opportunity to give you the canned response that they give everybody. So I'm just going to give you my highlights. It's like Instagram. You know, Instagram, you only say, let's write the good shit, right? So I'm going to tell you the good shit. But if I know all the good, and that's what happened. I was on a couple podcasts, and one number one, I want to give a shout out to my friend Brandon Callum of Make or Break Podcast, who I once referred to. I, he is my friend. He did a great job. I was on his podcast, and he was listening to this podcast, and I was referring to Fleabag Podcasts. And he reached out to me and he says, I hope you weren't referring to mine. I was not referring to yours. Brendan, Brendan Callen spent all the podcasts I've been on. He has spent an extraordinary amount of time preparing his podcast, the Make or Break podcast. I was not referring to you, Brendan. I, was, I swear to you. I promise you. Please don't reach to my DMs and, and say, you sure? Because it's sure. I wasn't talking about you at all. 
I have been on flea bags. You are not one of the flea bags. So the, the most important thing is you really need to understand. You need to understand who your guest is. So I spent a lot of time preparing because I don't want them to say the same things. I don't want, I listen to other people's podcasts. I listen to what other people have said in the past. I've been interviewing people and I feed them a, a lot. I feed them a line of question. I feed them a line of, uh, I feed them a line of like direction in the conversation. And what happens is, is I'll hear in my mind, I'll be thinking exactly, this is what they said in that podcast. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So what I'll do is I'll research and I'll think and I'll try to think about a, a kind of an idea of what people are doing and I'll think about what people are, are, are going with. I'll think about connection we have between each other and then I'll, you know, and then I'll go from there. And with that said, I'm going to say goodbye to Instagram Live because you guys are driving me a little crazy. Okay, we'll see you. It was good to see you. Thank you very much. Now we can, now we can. Now we can talk. Now we can talk. That was fun. So I was being distracted. I had Instagram Live on for a little bit, and now I'm going to finish this off. Just you and me. You and me, the listener. When you're talking to somebody on a podcast, you number one, you need to understand who they are. You need to understand what they're doing. You need to understand their work. And then you need to listen to them. You need to talk to them. You can't talk to the audience. When you start to bloviate and you start to pontificate, do what I'm doing now. You're not listening to your listen, you're not listening to your the person that you're interviewing. You're you're talking to the audience and you think that it's important. And it's usually not. What I try to do is I don't want to be Michael Jordan, I want to be Magic Johnson. I want to pass the ball. And when I pass the ball, I want my I want my guests to look good. And part of that looking good is feeling like I care. And part of that is, is a lot of, a lot of thoughtfulness in regards to what they're doing. I think about what they're doing. I'm constantly listening. I'm trying not to look at notes. I'm trying not to look at my phone. I'm trying not to get distracted. That's the reason why I turn off Instagram live. It distracted me and I wasn't talking to you listen and then find these little things. So my suggestion usually is when it comes to all these podcasts is don't just think that Joe Rogan is just smoking a joint and then going for it. He's, he's, he has a lot of information at hand. He understands this person and then he has a direction that he's going to go. And that's what I, what I try to do. So what's the next question? The next question, so that's the answer is, if Joe Rogan had Honor Kaglar and Ben Snur on, it would be a long episode or based on whatever schedule Joe Rogan has, okay? The next question is from Jordan Dans. I've heard a lot over the years about your upbringing, your father's influences, good or bad, and the many roads you went down, from trying to play the cello to almost being a childhood movie star. That was, wasn't really the case. I mean, and we'll talk about that. Uh, what I never understood is how, what motivated you to go to art school, specifically metal sculpture on top of that, the lure sculpture and the knives. Uh, it almost seems like your enthusiasm and your choice. of Okay. Here's the next one. All right. So what, okay. So it almost seems by your enthusiasm and your choice of guests on your show that your guests are your heroes. And then what you deep down aspired to be when you were younger. 
And now that you're one of them, you get to uh, live your best life for building relationships, hanging out, and learning about them. Would it be like if one discovered acting later in life and then got famous and finally started to hang out with all these badass actors? I could be way off, um, but would love to learn about your journey to the maker world. So in regards to influences, I, I always was looking for the attention of my father. My father had been married a few times. He had kids from different marriages. He had, he had businesses that he was running. And I was looking for the approval of my father. I was looking for the love of my father. And how, I didn't know how to do it. One of the things was I noticed that what got his attention was the radio. He listened to Don Imus. He listened to Bob Grant. He listened to uh, the talk show guys on WABC. And he would laugh. And he would laugh. And I always, from a young age, would think, he would, you don't need to listen to a lot of us. You listen to a lot of Mel Brooks. We would listen to tapes of Mel Brooks, the 2,000-year-old the man in the car, and he would just laugh. And all I thought was, these people not only have my father's attention, but he's making them laugh. That's what I want to do. So I was constantly telling him jokes. I was constantly trying to tell him jokes. I was trying to make him laugh. I was doing whatever it took. And then when I got older and I was given a tape recorder with a microphone, when I say older, I was like, seven or eight and there was a there was a tape and you could you could tape oh you could record into the microphone just like i'm doing now and i would do uh i would do little skits or I, when i was younger i would read you know bob our books into the microphone and then i'd goof around and uh, with the the books and sometimes i would pretend i was a radio announcer and i would with another i'd have my radio with my tape and then i would talk up a, 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 a hey, no, here come the beach boys and i'd play you know the beach boys i, I thought that that would maybe be a way my dad listens to the radio. Maybe he would listen to me if I was more like the radio guys. And then as I grew, he was a painter and I really wanted to become a painter. I wanted to become an artist. And I thought maybe we could speak the same language. Maybe if I learned how to paint, we could speak the same language. And we've said this in the past. And I know on the last episode with Nick Rossi, I talked about, we talked about how, just because you're good at one thing doesn't make you're going to be a teacher. And he was not a good teacher. He had a hard time, <clears throat> pardon me, he had a hard time explaining what was happening. And what that meant was, he just, I couldn't understand how to do the painting. So he would just grab my paintbrush and then he would do the strokes for me. And it was, became one of those things where it was like, it just... It didn't, I didn't get it. And I would take art classes and I thought, oh, I want to be an artist because now maybe my father and I would have a, you know, have a conversation. We'd be able to understand each other. And I went to art school and I told him, when we, I didn't go to art school. I went to, a, I went to, I was an art major at a liberal art school. And we did, you know, I was going to be an art major. I, I loved making stuff. I made bows and arrows and stuff like that. And I thought maybe this was for me. I had, I loved making things. I loved the idea of making things from your two hands and then you kind of create something. And he just wasn't against it. He just thought that it wasn't a good idea. And ultimately that's what happened. I, the lures came from a place of like, it was an assignment. We had to take something very small and make it very large. And I was doing a lot of fishing and I ended up making the lures and that's how the lures came. And that's, that was that. So the, there was no, there was no, there was no, the, the, well, most of my pursuits if you really kind of strip everything back, 
came from me trying to uh, create a relationship with my father. Ultimately, it just, it was a, you know, I've created, a, you know, I've made like, I, I'm happy with who I am as a person, but my, my, my reasoning wasn't, I don't think my, my reasoning was, my reasoning was to try to create a relationship with my father who now is, you know, passed away. And, you know, obviously now that there's, I'm left with nothing, you know. So the problem is, is it's, it would be much easier for me to say, oh, I love making sculpture because I did this. And I wanted to interact with my father. I wanted to create a relationship. And it, you know, it just, that was what most of those things, even the cooking. My father was an awesome cook. And I went to culinary school and probably deep down it was, I thought, well, you know, we did a lot of cooking growing up and there was a lot of cooking in the house. I probably was trying to, I was most likely trying to once again identify and create the relationship I've always wanted with my father and I never got it. That's, if you want the real story, that's the real story. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And, I, and I'm, and I don't believe that I don't, I'm not looking for, and I've had these weird father figure things that they've, they've been kind of like, you know, these surrogate fathers and they've just were, it was never really something that was, I'm just now at the age of like, being 47 has made me much more uh, have the ability to accept the way things are, and I'm not looking for a relationship with a with a you know, father figure, and that doesn't interest me at all. Uh, and uh, it was, you know, ultimately that's where that comes from. That that was that motivation comes from with the motivation of trying to have a better relationship with my father, which wasn't great. Uh, in regards to this show. If you really want the, the, uh, the question was, it seems like uh, most of your enthusiasm of your choice of guests on your show or heroes uh, or what you wanted to be deep, de- uh, what you deep down aspired to be when you were younger. I'm going to level with you, guests of uh, listeners of the Full Blast podcast. The guests of my show are people that I know. When I first designed this show, when I first thought about the show, when I first pitched it to Craig. I thought, I'm just going to fuck around. And I can do this. I can do, I was doing Instagram Live. I was doing an hour here, doing an hour in there. I can, you know, create like a show. I wasn't, when I was doing Instagram Live, I came, the ones that were any good, I was like, I had a game plan. I knew what I was going to talk about. I had a plan. And I thought, I can fucking do this. And then I thought, because the other thing was, I thought, eh, maybe I could make a little bit of extra money, get some sponsors on the show, and then blah, blah, blah. When I first started to take on guests because I realized I can't keep just talking by myself because what's going to happen is is I'm going to end up saying the same thing over and over again. I thought about bringing people on and I I brought, I know I brought on, in the beginning I had John Ariani on, my buddy John. I had Ben Snoor on. uh, I had uh, Jesse Uweta. And I I started to think like, "Ah, this doesn't have to be like knife talk. I can just talk to people who are makers. And what I thought was, I don't want to talk about the stuff people have because it's very unrelatable to the, to the listeners of the show. People don't care about your power hammer. You could talk to people about, I have this power hammer. And once you start talking about all the power hammers you have and stuff, it, ultimately the people listening, they can't relate because they don't have that. So, but what they can relate on is how you started up. So most of the, I would say 95% of the guests... I've talked to are people that I've already had conversations with in the past. Uh, I knew Quentin Middleton. I knew, um, I hadn't talked to Ben Snore and I hadn't talked to Jesse, but I started to realize if I have some sort of 
uh, rapport with people. I've had conversations pretty much almost with the exception of with the exception of Nick Anderson. I haven't spoken to Nick, Nanda Knives. I haven't spoken to Leah Arapach before. I hadn't, and Mark Peacock. And then those three people are the only people in this whole, and then Jesse and Ben. So Beth, Jen, Beth, Ben, Jesse, Nick, and Mark. Was there another one? Those people are the only people I hadn't had conversations with before this podcast, and I thought, we'll figure it out. And when I had ones with, with Quentin and Nick, Nick, uh, Nick um, Angier and, and Pat Quinn and Jesse and all sorts of other people, I knew that we could create a, a, a chemistry because what I'm looking for is a degree of chemistry and familiarity. I also want my, cust- I want my, I want my guests to feel comfortable. Part of being a good interviewer is making sure they're comfortable. And once they're comfortable, what happens is, is they start to relax. And if they relax, they're not going to say the same bullshit that they say if, you know, on their websites or every other thing. And I felt like that was really important in regards to my heroes. They're all fascinating people. And I think that you, the, the linchpin between all of them is the fact that they're all coming from the same place. We're all coming from the same place and how we started. And it's, it was, it made life far more interesting because you can create this relationship. And then all of a sudden the guests become relatable to, um, the listener because all of a sudden the listener is stripping back the fact that maybe, you know, uh, Emiliano uh, Carrillo had, you know, all these years behind making knives and he's just like you. You know, he just made life's light lightsabers like a kid like you did. So that was the reason why I get these people. And a lot of times I get a lot of messages from people. So you should have this guy and you should have this guy. And I don't feel that I'm as good an interviewer that I can start to know if I'm going to have chemistry with the view, with the guest. And it makes me nervous because what I don't want is I don't want it to be boring. Unfortunately, there are times when in a podcast where you have to be engaging. This isn't just a, you don't go to a party and then just eavesdrop. A good interview or a good podcast is you're engaged. And part of it has to be a little bit of entertainment. Part of it has to be a little bit of shucking and jiving. And that's just the way it is. Dick jokes. Oh, God damn, I'm fucking... Once again, I'm so depressed that I lost that I lost that, that I lost that track in regards to in the beginning when I was talking about who's responsible for it. Squadcast lost the track. It wasn't my fault. But now I know what I'm going to do to make sure that never happens again. Okay, so that's the answer for that. So I'm basically talking. I'm just fortunate enough that I have good relationships with all these people, and that we've had talk. We've have talked before, and it was one of those things that. I'm very fortunate. So that's the answer for that. There you go. You, I, I gave it to you all, Jordan. <sighs> We're going to do another question, and then I might read one of the awful stories from Ben Snoor and, and Honor Kaglar's episode. I'm going to read one of the awful stories just to make sure you know that it was going to be good. And then I'm going to tell a story of humiliation that happened to me, that I did to my family, and then we'll leave. And we'll go. And we'll go. This question comes from Sun, uh, Sun and Stars, uh, Emiliano Carrillo. You definitely listen to his Sun and Stars Forge. Definitely go listen to his uh, Sun and Stars Forge. 
Yes, Sun and Sarge Ford. Emiliano Carrillo says, what's the most surprising thing you've learned from a guest on the podcast so far? I, one of the things you have to do in order to get a real surprise is you need to have, number one, you need to have your guest feeling comfortable. And if your guest is comfortable, they're more willing to be, to put it out there. And one of the ways to get them more comfortable is to kind of know their story. It's under, you know, any article that's about them or any podcast they've been on. And it isn't just having pieces of paper and saying, you know, so it's, I I hear you do this. It's having that information and putting it into into a question or putting it into something to kind of make them, not steer them, but like give them the opportunity to say things in a different manner. Plus, plus you're showing them the respect of the fact that you know them and when they hear that you know wow you know that i didn't know you you knew that or you know what that'll do is that will make them feel as though you care you care enough to really care about the conversation and then you end up getting the good stuff i would say the most surprising thing was the most surprising thing was when i talked to uh jordan lamote jordan lamote was one of my favorite episodes because I knew Jordan. He and I have talked before. I saw him at a Blade show. I knew that he had tested for, for Journeyman Smith uh, at the ABS. Definitely listened to that episode. That was really awesome. I knew his work. I looked at his work. I studied his work. I had heard. I, I ended up listening to his family's album. Uh, definitely go listen to that. I tried to understand as much as possible without just having notes everywhere. And what it allowed me to do is to kind of have understanding. And then when we were talk, I could, in my mind, you spend so much time kind of understanding this person that when you're having the conversation, you could kind of, it's like, it's like finding this little crack. If you're climbing a wall and you find this little crack and you stick your fingers in that crack and then you pull yourself up. That's how I see it. I'm like, I'm looking for these little, I'm looking for these little moments that I can kind of pounce on. So I kind of wanted to, I thought, well, it'll be interesting to find out. He's a young guy. What's going on with going on a Blade show and stuff like that. And then when he admitted, because he didn't tell anybody else, he told, every, he told me that, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm uh, testing for Master Bladesmith. That was such an incredible moment. And it was this moment of like, holy shit, I'm getting something new. And I know that people are saying, Master Bladesmith, who gives a shit? This, is, this was a very niche thing, but at the same time, I understood the value of it. I also understood the excitement of who was going to have, and then I tried to really kind of flesh it out. So of all the episodes, I would say that when he admitted, when he told me that he was going to be a, a master bladesmith, and then when the episode came out, as the episode came out, there was a few hours in which you could listen to that podcast and you didn't know if he had passed or not. That was really, that was really exciting. I would say my favorite episode. I'll give you my I'll give you a few favorite episodes. I really loved the Nick Angers episode. That might be my top. Well, I'll tell you my favorite episodes to do are the downward spiral episodes. Anything when I do the episodes with uh, Nico Tavernisi, it's always fun because we did 60 plus episodes of the downward spiral. That's my favorite thing to do. And we've had some moments on that show and in the past, the first one old episode I'm going to put up 
when I put up an old episode will be the last episode of The Downward Spiral where he's on the set of Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man 2 with Andrew Garfield and Jamie Foxx. He's in the middle of filming. It's the biggest movie he's ever been on. Nico was, it was the biggest, biggest thing he'd ever been on, Spider-Man 2. And he felt like he was going to be fired. And he was having real problems with the director. And he really, really, really felt like he was going to be fired. That was a moment. And it hasn't been aired yet, but we'll, I'll get, I'll try to put that in for the first uh, holiday show for the Downward Spiral. I would definitely say that the shows that I do with Nico are my favorite only because we've done it for so long and he's so funny. And I, I love, I love it when he gets irritated with me. I love it when he just, God, God, Jeff, I love that. I think it's so funny. And I love making him, uh, I love the fact that Nico can go to 11 and sometimes I have to bring him back. Like there, there was a moment, there was a moment in one of the last episodes where he started talking about like, he's talking about dragonflies and stuff like that. And he got a little bit, he went to 11 with the whole, you know, you can listen back to it. I'm not going to recap it, but I had to meet him at 11 and then draw him back to like a seven. And I, that's always fun too. Um, the Nick Anger episode was probably my favorite interview just because he's so elusive and he's, I've been trying to talk to him on a podcast for a couple of years and we've had a good time. Uh, we've had good conversations. I am such a fan of him. I'm such a fan of his methodology. I loved hearing about um, his work as, in a, as a baker. I would say that I, we spoke off air in regards to just how difficult his job was working in social work working with these really, really needy kids who had really terrible upbringings and we didn't talk about it on the podcast only just because it was just too raw. It was just too, and it was unfair. It was unfair to the, it was unfair for him to, to talk about it, but it was like, he's probably one of my most, I would say one of the most fascinating people. Um, I would say the Pat Quinn episode as well. One of the surprising things about the Pat Quinn, Quinn episode was he and I had so many you know, we cross paths without meeting in so many different ways. You know, we both knew, worked in the city. We both we knew, knew Tom Ryan, who was this blacksmith at the Coding Ironworks. Uh, the Pat Quinn episode was really great because um, there was it was really a fascinating episode just to talk to him in regards to his his methodology. Um, what else? What else? Well, I would say Emiliano's episode. Emiliano's episode was great talking about Danny Trejo and, and uh, his time with Matt. Oh, Matt Stagmar. Matt Stagmar is another one that was a really, I'd never met Matt before, and that was really great. Oh, and P.S. P.S. Uh, Slavic Smith, Ilya will be on this podcast this summer. Uh, we've talked. Uh, he will be on this podcast. So Ilya Slavic Smith, I don't know how to say his last name. It'll be fine. He's going to be on the podcast. He just won Best Sword of Blade. He will be on this podcast. So that's the what the, those are what I've learned from the podcast before. I would say also, I would Nick Rossi was a really fun episode. Uh, the the Modern Forge episode where where Cliff flushed the toilet. That was a, probably the funniest moment on the podcast. I'm trying to think about. I'm trying to think. I, you know, I appreciate every single one, and every one has been a lot of fun, and I've learned a lot from everybody. What I have, what surprised me the most was how similar everybody is. Even, like, you know, you have these stories like like Andreas Kalani, his, his migration here from Iran, and what he had to go through in order to get here, 
and you know Don Wynn and it being a you know being in the college building race cars at college and every single one of them has I've learned something from um, and I every episode has been great so that's the answer for that do we have any more questions oh we have a question here from Elk and Hammer good old AC Ashley Childs will be here next week we're going to talk to her and she writes what stuff are you willing to splurge on knives food sheets socks versus stuff you're willing to buy cheap versions of underwear tools i prefer to this is this i'm this is ashley i prefer to what does she say here i prefer quality toilet paper but i can do with shitty soap right uh, i definitely splurge on tools of course and i have a real shitty can opener uh, not sure how how that made the how sure how that made the cheap out uh, curious where you draw the line between cheap versions and quality versions honestly the funny thing about the tool thing is when I was at the Center for Metal Arts back in the day with John Ledford we didn't really tools weren't really you know the the objects themselves it didn't really matter it was to me and I think that was something that my father also str- stressed which is it isn't exactly the tools it's what you do with them you can do anything with what you have so I never really had this appreciation for like Chris Zepp. Chris Zepp knows the different tools, the different makers, the different companies. He understands the differences in, in this and that and the thing. Honestly, I just never really got into it. And, it. and it got to the point with tools where you know, now when I buy knives or I buy uh, hammers, I do buy them from people that I know. That's my one thing that I really, really appreciate. Uh, when I buy hammers, especially, I got hammers from all my hammer-making friends. Uh, I got knives from a lot of... During quarantine, I bought a pile of knives. I bought the stuff that my friends were making. And that what that allowed me to do was that allowed me to sponsor a friend and to... Um, and to get something nice. And then I kind of, that's where I go. In regards to like food and stuff like that, I like to, I don't get crazy. My father taught me to cook with like, I like the French style of cooking where you make the most out of what you have. I've always been a fan of that. I never, I never go out and buy like ribeyes. I never go out and buy the most expensive cut of meat and stuff like that. I'm, I'm far more interested in when I'm cooking to make something really tasty out of something really inexpensive. I've always been a big fan of that. Um, but I mean, I, where do I draw the line? I don't really draw the line. I, 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 like, I like paying for my friends' stuff. I like supporting my friends. I have knives from a lot of friends of mine who are knife makers, and I, I've never nickel and dimed them. I do know people who have nickel and dimed other knife makers. I know people who have nickel and dimed hammer makers, and I despise that. If you got a friend, and I know that other knife makers who have bought my stuff, and if you do support someone that you know especially or someone that you admire never look for a sale i just i refuse i refuse to i pay full price i like it personally when you have a website and i don't have to talk to you so like ben snoor i went to welsh when i first heard about ben i found his web i found well shot website and i just bought a hammer right out of the chute didn't call him didn't dm him didn't say hey, i'm about to buy it i just did it and and that's the move. That's my favorite thing to do. Um, so with that said, some of the other questions were just not happening. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to round up third. I'm going to read a story. 
that I said on the podcast, the Lost podcast. I don't know if at some point maybe I'm in my in my dreams. I'm hoping that Squadcast will say, "Hey, we found Ben Snur's track," and they're going to send it, and we'll be able to put it together. I don't think it's going to happen, so we're going to have to redo it again. In the meantime, I'm going to read one of the stories that we had read. This was my probably my favorite story, and the rest of the stories I will for sure bring up with Nico when he comes back on. So you'll know the stories. I can't just burn the stories, but I can't redo poop stories and ball stories with Honor and, and Ben. I got to find all new poop and ball and penis stories for them because it isn't fair. It isn't fair. This one is a man who claims he has the world's largest penis has reportedly weighed it to prove that it is real. Okay, world's largest penis. According to TMZ, Roberto Cabrera weighed what is believed to be, prepare yourself, his 18.9 inch penis on camera in his home in Saltillo, Mexico. And it came out at a whopping two pounds. This motherfucker has an almost 19-inch penis, weighs two pounds. Mr. Cabrera has said he wants the Guinness Book, of, Guinness Book of World Records to recognize and previously had it x-rayed to prove its veracity. Sounds normal, right? I mean, normal to a certain degree. I mean, 18 inches, I'm holding my hands out. That's a lot of penis. Has a lot of penis. Has fucking so much penis. 18 inch penis. I don't have a t- Oh, I have a tape measure. Let's get the tape measure. Let's get the tape measure. Let's get the tape measure. Oh, 18 inch penis. 18 inch penis is so past your fucking knee. 18 inch penis is 18 inch penis. You can't wear shorts. It's it's 18 inch. Jesus Christ. From my knee to my groin, it's 16 inches. So two inches, you're two inches hanging out. Motherfucker has got, I mean, it is, there's just. But doctors, back to the story, doctors are reportedly to have said 13 inches are just skin. How the fuck is that possible? How the fuck is, so there's 18 inches. Okay, that's 18 inches. So 18 inches below the knee, that's there. And then fucking 13 inches of skin. That's impossible. I don't believe that. It's impossible. 13 inches of skin. The 52-year-old reportedly said he had caused him to lose jobs, harmed his relationships, meaning he is forced to live alone and forage for food. (sighs) Forage for food. He told a local news website, look where it is. It It falls below the knee. I can't do anything. I can't work. And I'm disabled now. So I want the authorities to declare me as a disabled person and give me support. He can't work, ladies and gentlemen. The penis is too big. Then I want to go to the Guinness Book of World Records and get the recognition. And this is the final part that's so sad. This makes me so sad, but at the same time, it's hilarious. He added that his penis is too large for him to kneel in church and pray. There you have it. Boy got a big penis. 
boy got a big penis. And we laughed. When I read that to, uh, when I read that to Honor, I read that to Ben, we were laughing. And I'm kind of laughing. 18 fucking inches. If you had an 18 inch penis, what the fuck? What the fuck are you doing? And if it's only thir- in, in a PS, if you have an 18 inch penis and 13 inches is skin, things are, things are growing in there. I mean, it can't be hygienic. I, you know what? Makes me think that 13 inches couldn't be skin because it would be, it would be, it would be impossible to clean. It would be like cleaning a garden hose, the inside of a garden hose. How would you do it? You couldn't clean your penis, the inside of your penis skin. Now, all of a sudden, it's making a lot more sense. I'm starting to think that it isn't true because if it th- you couldn't possibly grow a 13-inch extra erection, there's just no way that's possible, right? If you have an 18-inch penis but 13 inches of skin, that means you have a 5-inch regular penis, and then all of a sudden you're going to, it's going to, I don't think it works that way. I don't think that you can grow. I don't think, I think erections are small. Erections of small penises are big. But I don't think it's 13 extra inches. I think we have a question here. I think, I think Mr. Cabrera needs, I think Cabrera needs to show some penis. But it says it weighs two pounds. Fucking two pounds. A two pound penis. We fucking laughed when Ben and Honor were here. I'll tell you that much. All right. So there you have it. There's a taste, so to speak. Sorry. There's a taste. There's a taste of what we were working with. (laughs) I I have real problems. So here's how we're going to end the show. Hour and 30 minutes in. I told what happened. Answered some questions. I read the, one of the questions that went into last week's episode, this, the missing episode. And now I'm going to tell an ending story to let you know that I've, I'm trying. This is my penance. This is my penance for you having to listen to this. I don't have a lot of embarrassing stories. This one is one of the most embarrassing stories. But I don't believe that I was wrong. Back in the day when I was in college, I think I was a freshman, Batman 2 came out. Batman 2, was it in college? I think it was in college. I'm pretty sure I was a freshman in college. Batman 2 with Michael Keaton came out. Batman 2 with Michael Keaton came out. I was in college. I was, went to school in Ohio, and I had family living in Ohio. My mother made the trek out to visit her brother and his wife and my grandmother who were living in Ohio. And I drove up to meet with them, say hello, see my mother, see my parents, my, I mean, my uncle, my aunt, my beautiful uncle, my beautiful aunt, my grandmother who was, you know, getting up there. And it, well, I remember coming up there. It was like an hour away, hour, two hours away. It was like a weekend thing. This was, I would say that of all the stories that when I bring up to my mother, it's one of the ones that she gets mad at me every day. So we're talking now over 30 years ago. I think 30 years ago this happened. 
No, no, no. Couldn't have been 30 years ago. I was about 20. I was 18. I was 18. So yeah, it was almost 30 years ago. 18, 18 plus. Close. I was like 27 years ago or so. So we go to my uncle and my aunts, and the plan is we're going to go see uh, Batman 2. And I think it was, I think it was with the Penguin. I think it was the Penguin or the Joker. I'm not 100%. Not the Joker. It wasn't the Joker. It was Penguin. I think it was the Penguin. So we're getting ready, and my grandmother was kind of out of it at this point. I mean, God, God bless her, and God rest her soul. And I was really at this age. I left the house. I was a freshman in college. I had a girlfriend. I got a girlfriend within the first week of orientation. And I just remember having, I was arrogant. I was so arrogant. I was good-looking, dudes. Let me tell you. I got, I almost got into Blue Lagoon 2. I was fucking good. It wasn't because I was a good actor. It's because I was I was a good-looking kid. I'm telling you, fucking arrogant. I was good-looking, and the world was in my hands. Arrogant, good-looking, young. Artist. Awful. Awful. If I had met, if I had met 18-year-old Jeff now, it would be problematic. There would be a lot. There would be problematic. 18-year-old Jeff and 47-year-old Jeff would not get along. We wouldn't get along. I'm telling you, we wouldn't get along. So we get up, we're ready to go. We're gonna go to the movie. My uncle says it's raining. Everyone should wear their raincoats. And they say to my grandmother, you should, we'll get you a poncho. This is, I'm starting to really regret it. I'm starting to really regret this, this story. I'm regretting telling the story, but I'm gonna tell it to you because I feel badly that I, lo- that I lost, I lost, Squadcast lost the show that's supposed to be. So I'm going to repent by telling a terrible story. Humiliating to my family. Kind of humiliating to me. Not really. <sighs> get ready to go. We get ready to go. My grandmother comes to the door. I got my raincoat on. And I don't know what, I don't know what my, my uncle and aunt were thinking. They gave her a poncho. But this wasn't, a normal poncho. Ponchos are normally, you know, it's, I remember my first poncho from, you know, camping was blue and it was, you know, it looked like a blue tarp and it was like a raincoat material and ponchos. Ponchos are great. They put on her a see-through with a pink tinge poncho. Put it over her head. She wasn't really 100% there. She was kind of You know, like I said, God rest her soul. Loved my grandmother. My grandmother was a wonderful woman. A wonderful woman. Clearly without a sense of humor. And I was arrogant. Young, arrogant. I was, I thought I was the shit. Fuck. This is getting worse. So they rolled. (laughs) They rolled this poncho down over her. And this little old thin woman was standing there her face was out and they rolled over this pink see-through poncho and you know what it looked like you know what it looked like and I know what it looked like and I don't know what came over me And I said it. I said it. 
and I sucked the air out of the room. And it was one of those things that when you say something, the record player stops, you know, scratch the record, or for some reason when you say something inappropriate, everybody stops. And it's almost as if the timing of this terrible thing that you're going to say coincides with everyone not talking at the same time, so it becomes louder. And I said it. Grandma, you look like a giant condom. I did. And hearing it now, and I said it with a laugh. Hey, Grandma, you look like a giant condom. Arrogant. Full of himself. Obnoxious. Good-looking. Gets away with everything. And you heard this from my grandmother. All of a sudden, she was awake for that one. And my mother says, Jeffrey William Fader, what did you just say? And all of a sudden, my uncle goes, what did you just say? And my aunt says, Jeffrey. And then my grandmother just looks up at me and she goes, she says, this is a Roman Catholic woman. This is a good Roman Catholic woman. This is a Catholic woman. Her grandson just said she looked like a dong. I mean, how else can you say it? I thought it was funny at the time. I really thought it was funny. I thought it was funny. I thought it, it came to me. I swing at pitches, and I thought, this is going to kill everybody. This is going to kill everybody. Grandma, you look like a giant erect condom. I don't think I said erect. I, think, I don't think I said dong. I said, you look like you're wearing a condom. That's what it looked like. Grandma, you look like you're wearing a condom. I was apologizing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Everyone was furious. There wasn't, it was not the right crowd. It wasn't the right crowd. I can't believe my uncle was fucking furious. 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 My mother was mortified and furious. And my aunt was horrified. And my grandmother was fucking furious. She was starting to like, if that was the last thing she kind of remembered that her grandson sent to her, that might have been the last, thing, the last time I saw her. That might have been the last thing I ever said to her. Grandma, you look like you're wearing a condom. But I think it was funny, honestly. You really want to know what I think? I think it was really funny. And they were pissed. And I ruined the day. It was raining. And then the movie. And I sat by myself. And I kept apologizing. And my mother was so mad. My mother was, if I bring this story up to my mother now, she gets mad. I still think it was funny. I thought it was funny, but I was really, I really fucked up. I really fucked up. I went right back. I went to the movie. I apologize. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Was, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know what you were thinking either, Jeffrey. I, I can't believe you would do something like that. And what? I ruined the fucking. I ruined the fucking visit. 
I ruined the fucking visit. Grandma, you look like a condom. Look, you, you look like a giant dong. Grandma, you look like a fucking giant penis. Grandma, we need to talk to Mr. Cabrera over in fucking Mexico. He got 18 inches. You got, you got more than that. You, you are definitely Guinness Book of World Records. That's what I should have said. I should have said, Grandma, let me tell you something. I am calling Guinness Book of World Records. You're not 13 inches of skin. You're a fucking, you're definitely, you're like four and a half feet of penis. That's what I should have said. And now it's funny. It's still not funny if my family ever heard this. It's, it, would, it would bring back terrible memories, terrible memories. But at the time, I honestly thought, you swing at pitches. So needless to say, I was like, I was, my mother was so mad at me, and my uncle was so mad at me, and my aunt was so mad at me, and my fucking grandmother. This is the last thing she remembers I ever said to her. I did speak at her funeral. I did speak at her funeral. I wrote, I read a poem that she wrote me back in the day, and it was a wonderful poem. And I, you know, I, I was apologetic, not at the funeral. I didn't bring up the story at the funeral. I didn't bring up grandma was not a good sport when I said that she looked like a giant penis. I, I didn't bring that up at the funeral. I still wouldn't bring it up at the funeral. Uh, no, I've, I've learned to read a room on, with funerals, but it was really one of those moments where it was just like, I fucked up. Her last memory of me was I, was, I am a fucking terrible grandson. So the moral of the story is I still, I left them, went back to college. Got, I told my friends, they were like, how do you talk to you? You told your grandma she was like a giant penis. Why do you do that? I don't know. I thought it was funny at the time. I thought I didn't realize my crowd wasn't my crowd. I was arrogant. I was blinded by my own good looks and my arrogance. I could get away with anything. Grandma, you look like a penis. And then my parents were divorced. So every so often I would talk to my father and I talked to my mother and I talked to my father and they really didn't like each other very much. Well, they didn't like, they, they liked each other. I mean, they didn't like each other. They just was like, you know, and my father really couldn't give a shit about mother's mother's side of the family after a while. I mean, he was divorced. He didn't. So I decided, let's just see what my father would say. Let's just see what my father would say to that story. So I said to him, I called him up and he was at his office. I used to call him at his office because I would have great conversations with him when he was at his office and not at home. Some other time we'll have to talk about that. Some people got to, we got to get some people, some people have got to go before we can talk about more of this but I would call him at his office and we would have great conversations. Middle of the day, he was at his office, he was doing his thing, but he liked taking calls from his kids at the office. He was much more loose, much more relaxed. We'll talk about that some other time. And I said, Dad, I, I, uh, I, I think I fucked up with my mom's family. And he says, what, what do you mean? Because at this point, it's like, when I'm telling the story, he doesn't have it, there's no ramifications. The divorce has been finalized for quite some time. I can tell him anything now. He has nothing to do with these people. He is just, he is just a willing, he's a willing audience. He's ready. He doesn't have any skin in the game. Let me hear what you did. I want to hear. And he's not just like, Jeffrey, what did you say? It's just like, come on, out with it. Let me know. I need to know. I need some, I need some good dirt. I need some good dirt. I said, ah, dad, I went up to the, you know, went to visit them. my uncle and aunt. My grandmother was there and they put a, we we're going to the movies and, they put this, and then all of a sudden I'm, set, I'm trying to sell this joke to my dad because I'm just like, come on, come on. And I'm thinking to myself, 
I didn't get a good reaction from that family. Am I ready for to get berated again? Am I ready for like another, I'm sorry I said it, I'm sorry I said it. So I don't know, dad, when it was raining, they put this see-through condom over grandma, rolled it down over, wrecked, a wrecked thin woman with a see-through pink poncho, grandma, and then I said, I said, he, he just, I'm building it up, and I'm, and this is going to be, this joke is going to be either a fucking homer, or I'm going to get yelled at again. And I'm thinking, my chances of getting yelled at again are very thin, because my father's not really, I mean, this isn't really his family anymore. Let's give it a go. So I said, they rolled it over, and I said, Grandma, you look like a giant con. look like you're wearing a giant condom. And my dad started fucking howling with laughter. Howling with laughter. I can't believe you said that. That's hilarious. Because I've already painted the picture of it's pink and see-through. It looks like a rubber, for Christ's sakes. I painted the picture. He understands it. He never liked her anyway. I fucking hit a home run with my old man. And I was fucking pissed. And I said to myself, I fucking knew that shit was funny. I knew that shit was funny. I knew that shit was funny, and they're wrong. they were wrong. And then it gave me this obnoxious extra confidence. Like, I knew I didn't do the wrong thing. I knew that I, he was howling. I can't believe you said that. He's laughing. That's the biggest laugh I ever got out of my father. Grandma, you look like you're wearing a giant condom. It doesn't get better than that. And I've always said from this day, swing at pitches. Some of them aren't going to be good. Some of them you're gonna you're gonna have you're gonna get some wrath, but you can never get these moments back. You can't get these moments back where, where you, you could, it could have been good. You can't. It's just impossible. So, that's the end of that story. Always swing at pitches, ladies and germs. My dad thought it was funny. I made my dad laugh at the expense of my relationship with my grandmother at the expense of the relationship with my uncle, at the expense of the relationship with my aunt, at the expense of the relationship with my mother, fucking killed him. I fucking killed him. And it was worth it. And to this day, when I, when, if it ever comes up, I don't want to bring it up to my mother anymore just because she's got enough problems. She doesn't need me talking about how her mother looked like a giant condom. To this day, I know it was good shit. I just had the wrong audience. Okay, guys, listen. We've gone on long enough, and I want to tell you that I appreciate you and that I appreciate Ben and Honor. I appreciate them for their sacrifice, and we're going to do it again. We're going to get them back. Um, so where are, we, where are we headed? We got next week, we have Ashley Childs of Elk and Hammer. We're going to find out what she's doing. We got Keith Decent coming in. Keith Decent's going to be coming in. We have Aaron Goff. Aaron Goff. Goff Customs coming in. Nico Tavernisi is going to be coming back as always because I need my Nico Tavernisi. We're going to have Slavic Smith. Ilya is going to be in the house and we have a lot of others. Steve Schwarzer is going to be in here at some point. I'm going to talk to him. We got to get him squared away. Steve's going to be on here and I have a myriad of other guests. Emiliano's coming back. Who's coming back? Jared Thatcher's coming back. Uh, I'm sure other people, Quentin Middleton's probably going to come back. We're going to have all sorts of buddies coming back. People that you know, people that you don't know. Knife makers, non-knife makers. Do me a favor. 
tell your friends. Anytime you guys share this podcast, it helps me. So if you share it on Instagram or if you share it with your friends, you tell your friends about it, it always helps me. So what you can do for me is, by all means, tell your friends about this podcast, leave a review, um, tell your friends, and then that's it. And then, so next week, we're going to have Ashley Childs. We're going to have some fun. Thanks again. Guys, swing at pitches, please. It's worth it. Always. The Full Blast Podcast is proudly sponsored by Axe Wax, an all-natural, food-safe wax for coating your handles. It can be used on your axes, your knives, or even on your boots, with the full confidence that Axe Wax is safe and durable. Furthermore, if you use the promo code FULLBLAST10, you will get a special 10% discount on your order. So go to axewax.us and get yourself some of the most luxurious wax for waxing your axe. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network.